I'm Dylan, and join me as we look back on the rich history of doom metal and its sister sounds based on the recounted tales of its followers. Every week, we'll have a different guest to spin their yarn. You can visit the website at diaryofdoom.com, follow us on Instagram, like us on Facebook, follow the podcast on diaryofdoom.podbean.com, and subscribe and listen to the podcast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and whatever other sketchy fucking podcast network you might stream from. And if you have a question or whatever, you can fire off an email to diaryofdoom1968 at gmail.com. Last November was the first time in a year and a half that I had set foot inside St. Vitus Bar, my home away from home, as I like to call it. Of course, it was weird. It's still kind of weird. Not because it's St. Vitus, but because the world is fucking weird. But that's besides the point, I guess. As I recall, I took an alternative route that involved walking over the Pulaski Skyway Bridge. The dimly lit stairs up to the bridge, nestled snugly in a warehouse loading dock area, looked about as, as inviting as, well, a warehouse loading dock area. Needless to say, I did wind up being approached, uh, but it was by a fellow concert attendee, and suddenly we both felt better to be uh, around one another as we walked to St. Vitus. We parted ways at the entrance, and I met up with my other friend who was attending. The two of us shared a liking for Portrayal of Guilt and Headliner Uniform, who's nothing to scoff at, but I made sure to tell my friend to get there for the opener, Body Void, a band I wound up including in my year-end best for 2021, and it wound up in his as well. So that being said, I'm very happy to welcome Janice Irene Fawn to Body... Uh, yeah, welcome to your band. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, finally. You finally made it. Uh, no, I'm uh, finally welcome. Welcome to A Diary of Doom, and uh, Janice plays bass in Body Void, and also makes what I assume is strange pedal noise inside project called Entrasol, and runs flossless booking for all your independent operation needs. That pretty much sums it up. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, you're at the moment currently based out of Vermont, right? Uh, sort of. I'm, I'm here part-time because the band is based here. The Pretty much the rest of my life is in Eugene, Oregon, so... I tell people I drive 3,000 miles for band practice, which is, it's kind of a joke, but it's also true. <laughs> <laughs> so like, you know, the album I mentioned before was Bury Me Beneath This Rotting Earth. Uh, mm -hmm. But from my understanding, you did not play on that album. So uh, I yeah, I only, I only provided noise for that record, uh, which is okay. kind of the current arrangement in Body Void is that I am a I'm the live bassist uh, in the studio. Willow plays bass on the, on that record and at this point moving forward i'll be doing you know noise uh electronics atmospherics basically in the studio and then live i'll, I'll handle bass obviously you know this is not where you've cut your teeth and whatnot so like i guess like my my greater question is like you know where were you like before this but like you know even before that like you know what was your what's your like musical background like did you have a musical upbringing or did you just sort of like find music on your own I didn't, grow, I didn't grow up in music by any means, but I, uh, I kind of came into metal backwards. Like I actually started playing guitar in high school, like acoustic guitar, because I enjoyed singing. Um, and it was actually like a means to like, basic, basically like, I, I, I didn't have ambition to like play. I didn't want to shred. I wasn't really into riffs. I, I, I wanted to create the, the groundwork to sing over top of. So I kind of I kind of became the annoying person in the corner at the party playing acoustic, and uh, that slowly over the course of like a handful of like trial and errors turned into like a weird folk noise project uh, that now is that is kind of that's like the groundwork for Entresol, which is like depending on the release anywhere between ambient and like death industrial. I really like the idea of like the freedom of it being a one person project where like if. I want the next album to be Klezmer. It could be. It probably won't be, but it could be. Because uh, there's literally no one to tell me no. I'm like, you know, if I get a, a wild hair to try something, I'm, I'm just going to. Um, it might not ever see the light of day, but if I decide that it works uh, or that, you know, people should have to hear it, I can, I can release it. But yeah, for the most part, I would, for lack of a better way to, a better place to put it, I guess it's a noise project at this point. When did you start getting into that like and so that was like in high school and whatnot so you said you found out about like metal backwards that's kind of like oh, yeah. <laughs> an interesting approach to it I mean like I guess I guess that's sort of like an uh I, how like for lack of a better word sort of like an outsider approach someone that's like oh what's this what's this heavy metal thing you speak sure. of? sure <laughs> I mean I 
I grew up in a super small town and the the scene at my high school, like the, my initial exposure to metal was like very much like the uh, late late 90s small town, like dudes in jacked up pickup trucks with like a Garth Brooks <laughs> sticker and a Metallica sticker. You know what I mean? Ooh. Like the dudes who beat me up in high school were metal kids. Uh, but they were like the wrong, the wrong ones. <laughs> right. Uh, right. They're more like rednecks. <laughs> sure. Absolutely. And I mean, that's, that's kind of the exposure that there was to metal in, in rural Oregon where I grew up. So I ended up, I mean, like in high school, I was a punk. Like that was kind of more my, my wheelhouse. And in my late twenties, I started like a zine and blog and did a lot of music reviews and got into like booking shows and uh, it just kind of became this like whirlwind thing where like I started this uh, this project called Exiled in Eugene that was like a zine and blog and we threw through shows and just kind of like a all things DIY uh, media outlet kind of and it didn't last but while it like during the five years that it existed I ended up you know getting a job as a booker at a, at a space and uh, kind of fumbled into metal through like some of some of the people that I was working with some of specifically some of the volunteers who were doing reviews for the publication. Um, so we'd have these like folding parties where we were like making zines and newsletters and flyers. We also did like a flyering service. And so we'd have these like once a week, like sessions where we'd sit down and work on like, you know, the paper end of things and just listen to like, we just take turns listening to, listening to albums. And uh, these two dudes, these two brothers uh, who were volunteers kind of sort of single-handedly got me into metal. That and then like the uh, the actual booking gig, the first space that I booked at was like a coffee shop that was just known for being the only place in town that booked black metal. So like, I kind of just had to like adjust. <laughs> you know, I got like I got like quite the crash course where I was like I was the one willing to deal, to, willing to do the thing, and I ended up like stepping into this whole world. That, it's not that I didn't know it existed; I just wasn't part of it. Slowly but surely, the exposure kind of. I don't know. Not that I was like anti-metal. It just became a thing that uh, I grew into it, I guess. <laughs> that makes sense. I mean, I think there's probably a lot of people who have gone that route and whatever their background might be. And they kind of are like, oh, man, this is like a pretty cool. Well, I don't know. I mean, at that time, it might have been a little dicier. But like, you know, now <laughs> it's like I feel like it, things are uh, certainly far from like, you know, perfect. I guess if you're talking on like a sort of like a societal level oh, sure. and whatnot but i it, that's probably like the way a lot of people have come into it to sort of like explore and that makes sense to me was there like an album that you know those brothers like turned you on to or were any like particular album that made you kind of start thinking about it in a different way where you're like oh this is actually a lot deeper than it it seems well i mean they there was a summer where we they, they introduced me to, to cough and wind hand Mm -hmm. And that was kind of like a tipping point where I was like, oh, wait, like something just kind of clicked for me. Uh, and I started looking into things independently. I also got to see Hell for the first time that year, which was, big. I think they, you know, they're from next door, they're from like literally like an hour away from Eugene, seeing Hell and Mismore. And I think uh, I actually missed Thou, that show. But yeah, the access to like that kind of metal in the Northwest is kind of nice. Like that town is, it's, it's on the five. So you get a lot of stuff comes through that like, you know, the town would be too small, but because they're on their way through Wolves in the Throne Room played there for like five bucks. Uh, <laughs> you know what I mean? So like the, the access, and the, again, this would have been like, that would have, that Wolves show would have been like, I don't know, 2013 or something. So it's been a minute, but Cough and Windhand in particular, though, were uh, a big like in, entry point for me. The Cough influence makes a lot of sense. I'm like, yeah, I can see that. Like, you sure. know what I mean? I, they're awesome. I don't know what their um, status is currently, which is a little upsetting. But uh, last I heard, there were some issues. Yeah. So we'll see what happens. Oh, I remember what I was going to say. I remember, and I think I've already like probably repeated it on here, but I remember hearing on another podcast like in, with another interview. I forget who it was, but one of them was like, I don't know, it was somebody like maybe from like Black Tusk or whores or something like that and one of them was like oh yeah i remember wolves in the throne room i knew those guys when they were dirty fucking hippies 
Well, I mean, isn't that like an element of Cascadian black metal kind of across the across oh, the totally. Board? So many bands where there's the one guy who just won't fucking wear shoes on stage. <laughs> um, <laughs> I was I was super lucky, like booking that coffee shop, uh, the Wandering Goat. I got to see bands like shit. I booked I booked Bellwitch there. Nice. Uh, in like in like you know not even a hundred cap space before they were the Bellwitch we know and love. You know, I mean they were. Mm-hmm. They were already established regionally, but it was still at that point where everyone, everyone at the door is like, no, but I know them. We're friends. Like, do I really have to pay the $5? You know? <laughs> <laughs> As opposed to like, oh man, these goddamn servicing fees, I guess I'll right. suck it up. <laughs> sure. Right. Uh, but I, that, that show in particular, there was this, oh, it was so precious. This dude worked at Voodoo Donuts and the, the Eugene loca- location had just opened. And he made this giant, like, Bell Witch logo donut to give to the dudes. Oh, my God, that's awesome. And he got so drunk, he ended up, like, I guess chickening out and just leaving the donut on a table. And I don't think they ever saw it. It was, like, in the box still at the end of the night when we were cleaning up. And it was just, like, super tragic. Because I remember seeing this guy, like, sloppy drunk earlier in the night. Just like, oh, man, he he came here for, like, kind of – we had one mission – <laughs> and it just didn't happen and then everyone was like man that sucks yeah <laughs> <laughs> free donut just like everyone's just like like damn this is so good it's too right. bad bell which is never gonna see it <laughs> right yeah <laughs> I, I wonder if he ever like at wound up i'd be like did you ever get that donut and they're like what right? donut? <laughs> what donut it never it never made it there yeah <laughs> that's awesome i love that yeah um, so obviously you were more attracted to like the harsher sides of heavy, of, uh, the heavy side of music and is mm, like inevitably that's going to like lead you down a road that where you're going to probably find yourself more interested in stuff that's like based out of like noise and feedback and relay. Sure. And there's yeah. no fucking shortage <clears throat> of that these days. <laughs> definitely. Definitely. You know, like what? I, I'm always like kind of interested, like what draws people to that, like that section of music, because it, it does have like a weird crossover between like heavy metal fans and like, you know, people who just like all kinds of music or like more experimental and whatnot. So like, I've always been kind of interested in like, what is it about it that like makes it click with you? Like, what is it that like sets off your, your synapses in your brain? I just have like a thing for pops and crackles, man. <laughs> <laughs> Like, I, like, seriously, like, I, you know, people will, like, I, I've had friends be like, yeah, you know, when you're working on a riff and you just, like, sometimes you just loop it and listen to it back. And I'm like, I've never done that. I <laughs> I will absolutely, like, have, like, a fuck up where, like, I'll get, like, a weird sound out of my instrument and then I'll, I'll loop that and then I'll slow it down and then I'll put headphones on. And then that turns into, like, a, you know, a, a backing track or, like, an element of a track. But, like, actual riffs are hard for me. <laughs> it's always it's always been, like, something that kind of tickles my brain or, like, I don't know. It's super fucking boring and really stereotypical. But, like, honestly, like, if you could just distort Rice Krispies, I'd be happy about it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> like, That's dope. I, I could listen to that for hours and, and have, uh, basically. Is there like a meditative or some kind of aspect to it that you get out of it? Oh yeah, absolutely. Like I will, I will straight up, like if I'm playing with new sounds, sometimes I'll build, you know, not exactly a noise wall, but I'll, I'll get to the point where there's like, I feel like texturally it's, it's good enough to sit with for a while and I'll just let it loop. And then I'll like turn down the lights and I'll light some candles and I'll just sit and close my eyes and just like sit with it. Uh, and if 20 minutes later, I'm okay with it still going, then that's, that's something I want to work with. Uh, and then I'll like, you know, I'll try and like bounce those stems from whatever, <laughs> whatever variety of pedals are looping them. You're like, that, and, that's a song. Okay. <laughs> this is a, this is a thing to build from and we'll see what happens with that. But yeah, that's usually how it starts. As far as like, there was a point in that pro in, in Entresol where like things were kind of guitar driven. And it, it definitely tipped over to like building a sound bed and now I'll write a song on top of the sound bed. And eventually that just kind of became like, well, what if the sound beds were most of the song? Uh, <laughs> and sometimes that's the case. And sometimes I want, you know, some angry synth or something, but the, the sound bed parts are kind of like, that's, that's where it all builds from. 
taking that into body void has been interesting because it's literally the opposite where uh, Willow comes to me with like at least midis for a complete song. It is like, all right, now put noise over this. <laughs> <laughs> and to a certain extent, it's like, okay, well, here's a bunch of layers. And then you do with them what you what makes sense for you, um, which is kind of how we tackled uh, uh, Bury Me. Because I'd actually done my first tour with them. I kind of stepped in as fill-in bassist. Uh, we did a UK tour. And then I went back home to Oregon. And then lockdown happened. And so we were on opposite coasts and they're like, well, we're going to record this album and we want you on it. But COVID had just kind of become a thing. Mm-hmm. And they're like, we're not, we're not going to ask you to travel. Are you, are you interested in, you know, doing noise for the, for, for a track or for the whole record? And that just kind of snowballed. So that's kind of become like where I come into the creative process now is there'll be a song that seemed that, that like Willow kind of deems not finished, but like, at the point where it's like, I'm ready to present this to the band. And then I kind of compose around the existing tracks. The upcoming record might might look a little different. We're still kind of hashing that out. But um, that seems to be the, the approach for the last two releases anyway. That's really interesting. I imagine like after you like drop like a layer of noise on it, that could even like unlock another thing. Sure, yeah. Like, oh, hold on, we got to fix that. We got to change yeah. that. What if, yeah, exactly. Make that louder. <clears throat> Right. With, with Barry and me, it was like, we're just going to add this thing to the existing album, kind of. With the, the new EP, uh, noise was more of part of the plan from, from the get-go. Um, so the approach was you know, a little bit different, but still, still kind of like, here's a finished song, add noise to it. Uh, the, the next record, uh, the way that Willow is writing, is like leaving specific spaces. Not, like, not leaving spaces, but like uh, noises in mind, you know what I mean? Where it's like this part will have like kind of a noise freak out or a swell. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're, they're now writing with that in mind, which is, uh, just cool. Uh, we'll see what that ends up looking like. I'm not really sure yet. Color me excited. Uh, I mean, I actually just listened to, uh, the new EP, uh, today beforehand. Cause probably no, you know, yeah. myself. <laughs> know what, know what I'm talking about. Sure. Uh, yeah. For anyone who doesn't know, it's called Burn the Homes of Those Who Seek to Control Our Bodies, uh, a classically long name for a metal album, which sure. I imagine <laughs> is exactly what it says it's about, telling a bunch of fuckhead politicians and Christian nationalists to keep their dirty hands off trans people or whoever, whatever targeted group it is they've like trained sure. their sights on. Or if I'm I'm wrong, <laughs> please tell me. No, you, you, you pretty much nailed it. <laughs> <laughs> But no, we uh we got to work with Ben Greenberg, uh, you know, from Uniform on that one. And Ben's amazing. Um, you know, made the guitars sound super big. Um mm. definitely understood exactly what we were going for. Was really excited about the about like more noise, bigger noise, bring it bring it a little closer to the forefront. Like, you know, he just he texturally understood what we were going for, which is rad. I, it helps that he's like uh you know he's got he's he's got that, that he's he's in a in a noise adjacent band um and makes that kind of stuff himself as well um but yeah he's he's phenomenal i didn't actually again <laughs> i was on the west coast so i ended up sending stems and wasn't in mm-hmm. in the in the room with him but yeah ben's red yeah, um, looking forward to working on a full length with him I imagine and uh i kind of felt like it didn't sound like the prior one which is like well, obviously it sounds like it, but I, I felt yeah. like maybe it just had like a little bit more of a like a, a sort of like a rhythm or like uh, something like that. I wouldn't call it like a groove. Maybe it was like sure. a little, just a little more riffy um, mm-hmm. throughout, um, but like really just like these massive like swells and like the, the layering sounds amazing on it. Like, yeah, it's awesome. If, if you haven't listened to it, go listen to it. It rules. <laughs> and, you know, kind of speaking even about uh, you're talking about uniform i mean uh yeah that was my first show back to saint vitus and that was like a full fucking tour and then with portrayal of guilt too and then there was just this insanely long primitive man 10-year tour that (laughs) that had fucking candle mass on one of the stops which is the one i got to see i got yeah that was that was insane (laughs) uh 
again, I wasn't, I wasn't out here with the band at the time that that was initially, and that that, that show in particular was, or rather our involvement was initially announced. Mm-hmm. So I was just like staying with friends in Eugene and I looked, you know, I'm like, I wake up, I have my coffee, I'm like in my boxers and I'm like looking at Instagram and I'm like, oh, oh, we're playing with Candlemas. Oh, okay. <laughs> 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 Whose fucking life am I living? Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, that was a very pleasant surprise. And that show was red. It was like super, super cool. They were all really like, really like kind and very inviting. Um, That's good. Yeah, that was, yeah, it was really neat. I'm like, I imagine it was just like, a, hey, you want to just like jump on this? I, I, that's the impression that I got is that they're, they're like, I, either the invite was extended uh, to Primitive Man or it was just like, hey, what if we scooped up the whole, the whole, uh, the whole package? I mean, in the end, the, the whole package ended up opening. So, you know, just like a massive six band. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but, it was like Elizabeth Color Wheel and Mortifarium and uh, fucking who else? Jarhead Fertilizer. Yeah. Um, I'm for, I'm probably I think I'm forgetting one of one of the other bands, Body Void. <laughs> yeah. Us, yeah. Uh no, that was that was that was nuts. Uh very, very cool. Very cool experience. Yeah, I was very excited. I got to see uh Elizabeth Coverwheel. I wasn't super familiar with them, so I wasn't like wasn't sure what to expect. And um I was like, wow, that is that is a very unique show. Really cool fucking band. That is a great way to to like experience that band for the first time is like going in kind of like cold and having no idea. And then, you know, and then all of a sudden like Lane is like on top of the bar screaming and kicking pine glasses or something. Uh, just like with the umbrella. The whole, yeah. Like the whole band is like, like the, the presence of that band is so dynamic. Uh, yeah. They're, they're incredible. So kind of like getting it back to you, you know, you're talking about being on other you know, sides of uh, the country and whatnot. So like, you know, and being in Vermont, like you seem to have like sort of a, a migratory nature to yourself. Like, have you lived <laughs> in a lot of places? Uh, funny story. No, not really. I, uh, I'm from Oregon. I grew up there. I, until my first ultrasol tour, I'd been to like maybe three states. Something just happened in my thirties where like, I, I, I don't really have like a, like an answer for it. Like mm-hmm. all of a sudden, like, after the first Entresol tour, like something lit a fire under my ass. And it's just like, I just want to see everything. Like, I don't know. Part of it is just like, I think this is like lower class, working class problem of like not really being able to afford traveling unless it's for work or, uh, you know, not really getting to see the world. But like, just like, just spending a little bit of time outside of the Northwest, like, I just wanted more of it. And I mean, touring, especially touring solo, where like, I was just routing, I was, I would route tours in a way where I'd, I'd play a show about every three hours of driving with Entresol. It's basically me and a pedal, pedal board on a keyboard stand. It's, it's really minimal and the overhead ends up being really low. So I could, uh, and my job is remote or can be remote, uh, you know, emails and stuff can be remote. So I could be gone for a month and only cover like five or six States and just like see a bunch of small towns, play a shit ton of shows. If, you know, if, uh, even if the payout was awful, you know, 30, 40 bucks is enough gas to get to the next place and hit a Taco Bell or something. You know what I mean? So like, yeah, I don't know. I just, uh, it's kind of started with that. And then with, with lockdown, my, my partner, well, I'm a non-monogamous person. Uh, both of my partners left Eugene, uh, as part of their, (laughs) as part of their, uh, collective, COVID plans, I guess. Uh, one, one, one's job took them to Arizona. Mm-hmm. Uh, one, one's, uh, one ended up in grad school in, uh, in Illinois. Um, so I, and then I got furloughed from my job. So I ended up buying a van and was just like, you know what? I'm going to live in this van and I'm going to go camp and I'm going to go see ghost towns. And I'm just going to like, if I'm going to be broke anyway, <laughs> I, might, <laughs> I, I might as well like see some shit while I'm doing it. So I, I you know, I took what what unemployment the government was willing to give me and i just went on like an almost two-year adventure like this uh moving in with the band now is actually the first time i've had a mailing address in two years uh <laughs> wow so, yeah it's been it's been uh it's been an interesting like lots of lots of ups and downs i was working on well it's it's not finished yet uh i'm, I'm working on a book it started out as like a like a guide to ghost towns and slowly morphed into a weird like it's it's now it's a horror novel, uh, <laughs> but it's like an alternate reality 
horror novel that starts with that premise of uh, two people working on this uh, this guide to ghost towns. But uh, one oh, of them interesting. maybe haunted a little bit in the process. But that's that's hopefully will be out sometime next year. We'll see. Some friends up in uh, out in Portland are uh, tentatively publishing it. I'm not going to say names yet because it's not 100% confirmed. <laughs> I don't want to put them. <laughs> I don't want to put them like publicly on blast. It's like now you're on the hook for this. Potentially, potentially, it's being published by some friends next year. Well, that's cool. Uh, how would you define alternate reality horror? That's pretty interesting. Like I'm a pretty like I won't say I'm the biggest horror buff, but I love sure. horror movies. Probably my top genre of film. What? How exactly does that work in like a novel form? Because like I mean, um, I remember like there was like I'm like the last al alternate, re and this is so stupid because I know there's like alternate reality goggles and all like the you know the oh like shit, but this isn't really like, like, like virtual reality. Yeah, but that's like fully <laughs> yeah. a different thing. Um, sure. Yeah, like, yeah. In terms of alternate reality, I remember like. Nine Inch Nails did a really long one in, leading up to one of their albums where it was sure. like, you would like, literally like they'd like hide things around the country. Okay, cool. Music, so not like bad things. <laughs> no, bad <laughs> things. It's a shoe. It's silver pudding. Um, <laughs> I'm not sure why that's... That would be if David Lynch was there like marketing. Oh, yeah. Director. Like, we'll get a shoe and put some pudding in it. It'll really throw him for a loop. To totally. Okay, so... um. So functionally, the book is functionally. I am the protagonist of the book. There's there's definitely like a moniker used instead, um, but you have this person who's going out, and they're uh, they're visiting ghost towns, and then you have this other person who's back in Eugene, who's a they're kind of like the historian who does the the, the, the there's the field researcher, which is which is my character, the protagonist, whatever, and then you have the other character who's like the historian who does all the research on the on the locales. All of these places are places that exist. A lot of the content in the book is factual, but there's a fictional story going on. So the line between reality and fiction is very blurred. The, the characters are working together on a website that that uh, supposedly like crowdfunded, like like launched the like the the website community launched a uh, like a, like a crowdfund yeah like a crowd crowdfund project to launch this book. And so basically what the, the, the reader is reading is this, this book that, that is like the end pro project of these two fictional characters. The website totally exists. I went ahead and launched it. Uh, so this fictional website is out there. There's little, little Easter eggs uh, or a few little Easter eggs around the internet that I don't wanna, I don't wanna give out yet. that are content from the book that exists in the real world for people to find. It's kind of like the, I don't know if you, uh, if you followed, this is years ago, the original Blair Witch had like the way that they hyped the movie as being real. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, I'm, it, I've, I'm yeah. very familiar with it and everything. Sure, sure. It, so. Yeah, all of all of the ads leading up to it were like, this thing's a documentary and they finally copped to it not being real. This obviously is not real and I'm not going to like, you know, try to like pitch it that way. But if people stumble across it and believe that it's real, that's fine. <laughs> well, it sounds um, really fun. I mean, it's, totally, totally. it sounds different and unique and kind of feels like a, a, an approach to crafting art or media in like still in an interactive way when we're just we a lot of our media is so not interactive and I'm, and I'm I wouldn't even include video games in that I because you're still like using a controller and mm -hmm. reacting to things like if we're talking about like iPads and phones and stuff like that where it's just very minimal interaction Sure. You know, so like that's actually you have to go to some like you have to put a little work in to get like the full payout. So like that's sure. pretty cool. I like that. That's Wait. really interesting. Yeah. If nothing else, it was a great uh, a great means to completely escape from the world. What? <laughs> <laughs> while, while everything felt like it was kind of on fire, like like it's not now. You know what I mean? It's just normalized, I guess. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The eternal like just burning mess behind us. <laughs> Absolutely. every given moment well that's really cool but now that you've like kind of settled into doing uh booking through flossless cool name for that uh, it's just like the thing that the dentist always tells you to do regardless right. if you do it or not <clears throat> and uh i'm just assuming that like flossing is probably not like a top tier important thing to do while you're on tour i try 
<laughs> I also like I like genetically I have like not teeth, so uh, I try to keep up. I definitely have like more fillings than I feel like I ought to. Also, like you know, I don't know about I don't know about other musicians out there, but I feel like a lot of us don't have insurance. Uh, don't so. have any what? <laughs> don't don't have dental insurance. I would believe probably no. Need all know. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, <laughs> Uh, do you go for the classic or like the little stick things? I try. So there's a lot of guilt that comes with the stick things. Cause like, while I believe that the, the majority of like, you know, climate destroying practices are like those at the top, like big corporations, you know, like big, big damage, like single, single use plastic still like, uh, it still puts like a knot in my stomach, mm-hmm. but yeah. So like when, when possible, my, my partner turned me on to these, like, supposedly comp- compostable like corn or whatever based uh floss picks i use those but yeah i don't know i don't know how much better they actually are <laughs> <laughs> i'm i'm afraid it's a lie you know what I, i'm afraid it's greenwashing and that it's right. just as bad or you know not as good as they say it's like it's so hard to know but beyond that but like you know kind of like what's like a day-to-day like for you doing the booking now um especially when you're on like a different coast from where you actually are booking (laughs) so okay the one the one beautiful thing about um currently being on the east coast and booking shows on the west coast is that if i sleep till noon it's still only 9 a.m out there and i am not late answering emails (laughs) that's uh that is probably the biggest perk. The The downside is if there's any confusion night of show about settlement, I'm getting a, a call at like four in the morning here. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, between three and four, which, you know, it, it's just making me be way more thorough with all of my notes. So those questions don't happen, <laughs> you know, dialing things in a little bit more. And I mean, I'm not going to be out here full time. I'm definitely going to bounce back and forth. The, the plan at this point, I hate snow. It's like my nemesis uh, <laughs> and temperatures below about 30 degrees. So uh, I, the plan is the plan is to be back in Oregon uh, during winter um, into early spring. And then I'll come back out this way. We'll see how long that holds, that holds out. We've got a record to work on this fall. Hopefully that happens. That can happen before I leave. Hopefully it doesn't keep me here into, into the snowy season, but yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll play it by ear. Don't ever move to New York. <laughs> yeah, no, I know. My, my partner lives like just outside of Chicago and. Oh my God. Yeah. The yeah. weather there is like insane. No, totally. I was in, uh, I, the last two winters actually, I've gone to Arizona. I'm yeah, like pre- yeah, yeah. Pre- preemptively snowbirding. I was talking to my partner and she like, you know, they have two dogs, she and her other partner and they were walking. The, she, she had to walk both dogs that day. And by the end of the second loop around the block, she was experiencing minor hypothermic uh, symptoms. Oh my god! <laughs> because it was like negative twenty. Uh, <laughs> like, dude, like that's not hospitable. Like, it's not. Why do people live there? But like, I mean, not to like shit talk a whole region, but I, it is kind of how I feel when I'm in any of the Great Lakes states. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, it's it's crazy. My my partner's she's from uh, Arizona, so we've been out mm. there a couple of times, and like it's I've said it a lot on here, but it's just like amazing out there. Yeah, like I have love you, the desert. Have you ever been there during like the hottest parts of summer, though? No, we don't. Yeah, <clears throat> that, that's no. the, that's the trick. Don't visit in July and August, so you can still enjoy it. <laughs> yeah, we went during the holidays when it was actually like oh, yeah, that's... cold, but like yeah. not frigid like it is out in the northeast because it's sure. all covered in humidity and it's just generally like wet all the time so it's like northern florida <laughs> oh yeah no totally no we went to vegas in the summer and that was mm. dumb but <laughs> i that was like <laughs> this yeah this uh that primitive man tour um not so much p-man they were chill but everyone else was was pretty upset at the heat in Vegas. It was like 112 the day we were there. And just like during load in, everyone's just like, ugh, fuck this. I hate this. And I was just like, this is fine. What's wrong with you? Like, this is, it's a dry heat. I was literally that fucking asshole. 
It's like, I, I feel uh, like I was like, yeah, it's really not that bad. And then like when you're standing out there for like more than 20 minutes, you're like, all right, this is like pretty ridiculous. Sure, yeah. But you can breathe. Exactly. Yeah. That, yeah. I saw, and I mean, like, I saw Primitive Man play outside. So, like, yeah, <laughs> they're probably like, yeah, we know what it's like. Oh yeah, it's Definitely. hot. Yeah, yeah. They're 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 long suffering, man. They're like they're road dogs. They like, I did like there were there were days where you could tell like everyone else was like fuck this and like, you know, because that just happens. And they, uh, that's not the temperament of that band. They're like, they're just they're they're there for it. Oh yeah, they're they're badass. Are there days where you find yourself liking one thing over the other, and you're like, "Man, I'm fucking tired of it." I guess not, because you can do them at the same time. Uh, like in terms of like booking shows and playing shows. Oh, I mean, okay. obviously, I would definitely rather play shows. Like at the okay. end of the day, booking. I mean, it's cool because it's adjacent to 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 music. You know, it's still like in that realm, but it is still work. And uh, especially working in a small scene, there's a lot of uh, picking battles. Like, do I take this opportunity to try and teach this person? Mm-hmm. Like, this this is a teaching opportunity. Am I just, am I going to be like, like this condescending old asshole booker if I'm like, hey, you can't do this? Because it happens, I don't know, sometimes 30 or 40 times in an afternoon. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, sometimes it's just like, you know what, like, I'm just getting through the day. This, there are definitely days where it's like, yeah, I'm, I'm not doing the bare minimum, but I'm like, I'm not going to be everyone's friend. I'm not going to be helpful. I'm not going to be a resource per se beyond like what's necessary because the workload is so heavy that you just have to get through the day. Booking right now, it's just like, cancellations are like so much more common between mm-hmm. people getting getting covid things things breaking things you know tours had just happened to cancel because something is you know for some, for whatever reason it's not like maybe financially viable or whatever it's a little bit more of a slog right now and like getting back from tour and like catching up i finally got to the point where like my my day in day out was kind of consistent again and not like 10 to 12 hour days and uh I, I was just like, yeah, I'm ready to be back out on the road now. I don't like this anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Run and away! Now, yeah, now fast, fast forward a couple of weeks, and now I'm like, I'm, it's fine. You know, it's, it's like, mm-hmm. I would still rather do this than almost any other job I've done. Because it's like, it's still in the same world. Like, you'll have, like, a bad day, or something will be, like, a little bit, like, I don't know, it'll, be, it'll, it'll, it'll feel a little bit more like a trudge. And then, like, you're, you know, the next email you open is from, like, someone you've toured with. Or, you know, like a, a homie, basically. So mm-hmm. it's like, I don't know, it's just, it feels friendlier. And it's like still in the same wheelhouse. And honestly, to a certain extent, it like, you know, it helps, it helps feed my own tours. And the opportunity to return favors to people who've helped me out when I'm on the road. Um, it's a big part of why I keep doing it. In regards to that, though, kind of like a two-part question, like. Sure. What is a weird, wild experience you've had on the road? Honestly, like, I'm not really off top. Like, I'm drawing a blank. I know there's shit. I know shit's happened. All I can really think of is, like, like the weird minor inconveniences of, like, this particular hotel hold on my card took a month and a half to clear. Things like <laughs> that. <laughs> um, gosh, yeah, I weird shit on the road i yeah i'm honestly like it's at this point it feels so normalized like maybe it's just because like i'm still a little bit like numb (laughs) you know because it it does it becomes like such a day in day out you're like Mm -hmm. you get up you get up you either go to the denny's or you go to a gas station you drive for six to ten hours you play a show you drive for two hours you get in the hotel room you repeat uh (laughs) um God, yeah, I don't know. Um, there were less, like, definitely less misadventures or whatever on these last two. Yeah, I feel like people like... are just being, like, more careful about things. I mean, I the thing I keep seeing is, like, vans getting broken into, but that's not because people oh, sure. are being reckless or unsafe. It's just that these are the options. But, yeah, like, no, totally. This is just... actually, co- coincidentally, this is this this Body Void tour was the first tour I've ever been on with other people where there wasn't a break-in. <laughs> <laughs> literally every every tour i've ever been on where there was another person there's just been like it because you know like, well, once you reach once you 
once you're obviously on tour, you become kind of a target. The, the other two tours I've been on with Body Boy, we've had we've had a, a break in of, of one kind or another, and neither of them were terribly serious. This last uh, back in November when we were out with Uniform and Portrayal of Guilt, somebody broke into our trailer and stole like a box of merch and a t- and like a tiny terror head, like a like a uh, an orange like like the small like lunchbox size base head base head, mm-hmm. and then. When we were in uh, the UK, the tour previous, somebody like first night we hadn't even played played a show yet. Somebody punched the punched the little wing window out of the van and like stole like change from the center column and like some personal belongings of the driver. Uh, <laughs> like it's like that's not even, like that guy's at work, man. Come on, <laughs> it's not it's not cool, London. It's not cool. It was actually maybe Newcastle. I can't remember now, but they took his pens. Right. Took his pens, took his iron brew, you know. <laughs> they took his Maggie Thatcher card. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. Um, well, on the flip side of that, just because uh, I went to go see Author and Punisher over the weekend and I grabbed oh, a yeah. set list that was written on. Oh, I uh, saw that on your Instagram. Just like Literally the side like, of a box, like just yep. a box lid or something like that. And uh, well, that's where it's living now. Um, Sometimes that's the paper that's available. <laughs> like. I know people say there's a coin shortage, but I think there might be a paper shortage. Um, right. but like, what's what's the weirdest thing you've written a set list on, or is it just like a? Because I, you know, you see bands that have like the nice ones that have like the font and everything's typed out or whatever, yeah. and then you see like, all right, this is just like a piece of paper. We ripped it out of a notebook. Oh, grab that piece of cardboard, whatever. So the beauty of being a band that being in a band that plays long songs. Body Void doesn't have set lists on stage. <laughs> That's very fair. Uh, so far, the you know the three tours that I've been out with them, like we've done like a thirty to thirty-five minute set. Uh, the first tour that was two songs, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then the last two we've done three songs. And so, like once in a while, there'll be like a we'll like lock eyes and be like, you want to you want to do you want to do fawn instead of wound? You want you know like like yeah. as like you know, but like we 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 know what two or three songs we're playing we're heading in a direction where the songs are getting a little shorter so we might actually have to write shit down we'll see and then yeah with entresol with my own stuff like it's usually structured in a way where there's where it's seamless you know there's like kind of Mm -hmm. never ending never ending backing tracks so to a certain extent like the actual set list is sort of built in for me but i've definitely seen some interesting ones there was a band that i can't can't remember the name of the band the psych band that i booked in eugene they're uh there was only one on stage and it was like by the bass player's foot and it was on the inside of like this neon orange frisbee <laughs> um, which i assume they didn't do a new one every night i assume that's for the whole tour but hopefully you know like hopefully they don't like get drunk and you know play a pickup game of frisbee in the street or something they probably like lose, flung it out on the last night. lose their set list oh yeah sure <laughs> totally yeah, so it, it's just funny. I'm just now acquiring a small collection of cardboard that has yeah. uh, <laughs> things on it, you know. And it's I'm like I look at it and I'm like, uh, one part of me is just like, this is just a piece of cardboard. Like you don't need this. But another part of me is like, you got the thing from the band that the guy wrote the thing on. <laughs> <laughs> totally. I used to have a collection like kind of down the side of my fridge of post-its. It was all different thank you notes from bands that had crashed on the floor in that house. And I, uh, I went back to visit not that long ago and some of them are still there. I'm not really sure why the current roommates are like, we're going to hang on to, I don't know, some of these, but fuck that <laughs> band. <laughs> we're throwing, we're throwing away the pathology. Thank you. note. what? <laughs> I don't understand. This wasn't even a thank you note. This was a grocery list. Right. <laughs> Besides uh, the upcoming album uh, and your uh, book project, do you have anything else in the works? <laughs> There's always a bunch of ideas. There's like, it's that thing where like, I'm very much the type of person who like, once I set out to, to accomplish a thing, I do. Um, I just don't like to talk about them all too soon just because like, then there's expectations. There might be a podcast, so... We'll see. I have guests for a first season lined up, and as long as it goes well, that'll be a thing that happens maybe later this year, early next year. We'll see. Um, but I don't want to give too much away yet. <laughs> yeah. And there's supposedly a new Ultrasol album in the works. I've been saying that for like a year. 
as things with body void ramp up, I spend less time on that project. At least that's how it's looking right now. So mm. we'll see for like the 12 people who listen to that band. It is, <laughs> it is, it is still a thing that exists. I have not broken up with myself um, <laughs> yet. There'll be new content. I mean, th there's a Patreon. I have to, uh, <laughs> there's true. at least, there's at least eight people who are going to be really upset if a new album doesn't happen eventually. Well, hopefully they don't hear this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll see. <laughs> um, well, have you been listening to anything uh, lately of note? You've really been digging? Uh, I've been listening to that new Haunted Horses album a lot. I, I mean, that's like, that's the big one. Basically, since it dropped, I haven't really stopped listening to that new Cremation Lily album. That's been like in my regular spins at least a couple of times a week. I don't know if you follow that project at all. No, I'm not um, familiar with it at all. It's like, it makes sense that some someone who makes noise would listen to it. Uh, <laughs> gotcha. Uh, kind of in the realm of like amulets, if you're familiar. Um, I think this is, a, this is a rabbit hole. I've not gone down. <laughs> uh, so Cremation Lily is on the Flenser uh, as okay. of this, this current record. Uh, he's based in the UK. He does like, um, there's elements of like, tape loop uh tape loop noise ambient and then like i don't al almost like sad boy beats and stuff uh this the, the new stuff has kind of taken this turn where it's like it's definitely not in that in that realm but you can see that it's like a little bit influenced by it super super cool stuff and like the way that he does tape manipulation is interesting he'll like he'll build a loop he'll record content to the loop and then sometimes he'll do stuff like sun bleach it or you know, anchor it underwater for like a week and then dry it out and then play that back as the backing track for something. Oh, that's um, cool. Yeah, like, so you get like... Physically like manipulating it. Definitely, definitely like, you know, using very affected, in some cases, very affected magnetic tape for different sounds, um, which is like right up my wheelhouse, right right up my alley, right in my wheelhouse, something. Yeah, it's like mul it. <laughs> Yeah, it's multiple, multiple, uh, multiple catchphrases at once. Um, yeah. <laughs> right on uh what have i been listening to um obviously new body void uh cool uh <laughs> uh the new horror album i really like oh yeah uh, yeah probably the only thing i'll willingly listen to that has Corey taylor on it <laughs> i think i missed the boat on slipknot did you and me both i fucking i saw that he was on the new album and i'm like that's weird and then i'm like the song's fine though okay all right chill you know yeah. like, i I definitely have a soft spot for horror. You know, anything that rides the line between hip hop and noise, like clipping is pretty like special too. Yeah, I have a yeah. friend who's a really big fan of clipping. Word. Yeah, that last that last full length was really red. What else? Uh, I checked out that new Worm Rot album, Hiss, because everyone was just saying it was great and uh, I really liked it. <laughs> like pretty goddamn incredible. New Funeral, Chic Album, Roman Candle was really good. Kind of like Ruby Thrash with a little bit of Doom and some Rocky Erickson. Uh, VHS put out another album called Lindsay. Pretty good. Warthog, first time listen for me. Really like right. that too. I checked out Imperial Triumphant's new album. Oh, how uh, is it? It's not for me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like It's like black metal math jazz and okay. i know there's a lot of love for them they're really big in new york they have a really cool aesthetic but it's just like not really for me but they are yeah. very good at what they do so if that's something that you would be into check it out we'll see um, i really i really really dug vile luxury but i haven't mm. like i haven't kept up um, yeah i mean kenny g's on this album really yeah, like <laughs> it's pretty wild. I was like, "That's insane, man! That's 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 out there. It's like when fucking yeah, it's like Michael McDonald being on that Thundercat record. Yeah, like <laughs> like what? <laughs> I mean, um, it kind of makes sense once you hear it, but like, yeah, I don't know. That's interesting. Exactly. I listened to Chat Pile because everyone said it was great, and of like, course, it was it's fucking great. Um, and uh, I really, honestly, I really thought the new Beyonce album was pretty fantastic too. That's been really on my list to check out. Yeah, it rules. Uh, I really, really liked it. Much different than Lemonade, which is, I also liked a lot. And then, uh, in addition to going to see Author and Punisher. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with them, but the opener was a solo noise act that I'm not wasn't familiar with Trace Amount. 
I'm not actually. Oh, pretty cool. Like definitely some nine inch nails influence there. Um, but very cool. Uh, very intense. I also went to go see elder with Ruby, the hatch and dreadnought it was nice to cross them off the list. Uh, for sure. So, so that, that's what I've been listening to and that's what I've been up to lately and, uh, no shortage of shows probably a little bit of a shortage on funds to go to said shows. <laughs> that is, that's so real. <laughs> Need that new paycheck to deposit. Yeah, that's, that's for real. Um, yeah, no, if you dug that new chat pile album, you should definitely check out the Haunted Horses record. They're all right, I will. in a similar wheelhouse. I feel like Haunted Horses has a little bit more goth influence in there, but the bass player from... Uh, Filth is Eternal plays in that band now as well. Used to be called Fucked and Bound if you ever saw that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I managed to listen to that band when they were still Fucked and Bound. And yeah, yeah. I know that. Is it just because for like marketing purposes? <laughs> yeah, I actually don't. I don't have the story. I could see how that might be the reason, but I, I yeah, I, I don't, I don't know. I'm not sure. Yeah, um, I do remember like just when they were still fucked and bound and then they became Filth is Eternal and uh, it doesn't really matter because like it's the same band. <laughs> yeah, totally, band. totally. Yeah, rad band. Thank you for taking the time out of your day to come on the podcast and whatnot and for sure. chat Thanks about for having me. noise and booking and all the ups and downs of, and whatnot that go along with it. Um, where for can sure. people find you on the internet if they so choose to? Gosh, I think I, maybe the easiest place is just, uh, yeah, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> uh, I guess the easiest place would just be Janice Iron Fawn on Instagram. There's like, re there's redirects to everything else I have going on there. And I'm, you know, it's, it may be my private, my private, but I, I, I fucking friend everybody. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm a hard person to stalk. I'm never in one place for very long, so I'm not too worried about it. <laughs> <laughs> right on. Yeah, and uh, definitely listen to the new Body Void and follow Body Void and buy Body Void merch and listen to Entrasol. Make it 13 people. There you go. 13. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, thank you again, and that'll do it for this chapter of The Diary. Awesome. Cheers.